Activist Radio is on the air. You've tuned into the Mark Harrington Show. Sponsored by Created Equal. Time is running out for our nation. I beg of you, you need to stand against the evil that's plaguing our nation. If you don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. Like you kill a baby fetus, the same thing as killing any old inanimate object. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders. people it's your movement now it's not your parents anymore the blood that is shed cries out to god from the ground for justice and now here's mark well folks as you can tell uh 2020 is playing out true to form i mean this is crazy what's happening And if you've been paying attention, yesterday, last night, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, and that sent shockwaves through Washington, through America, and the world. And if you were watching on our Facebook uh, pages, I interviewed my son from the U.S. Supreme Court as there was a prayer vigil going on. And so I felt like it would be important for me to jump behind the microphone this morning and give you my take on this. Of course, lots of people are doing that, and I've spent a lot of time reading what others are saying and what they're projecting, and I just thought I'd come and and give my perspective on uh, what this means for the U.S. Supreme Court, and specifically Roe v. Wade, what it means for the presidential election, and broader than that, what it means for America as a whole. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 87 years old, passed away yesterday, the second woman appointed the U.S. Supreme Court. She was appointed by uh, President Bill Clinton. I remember that because that was early, very early in my pro-life activism in the early 1990s. Uh, The cause of death was metastatic pancreatic cancer, which she had been battling since 2009, and it came back uh, late last year, in fact, about a year uh, ago from this month. Uh, And so now the replacement of Ruth Bader Ginsburg is front and center when it comes to the presidential election. Now, many of us didn't expect this, even though we knew she was ill. Uh, We thought maybe she was going to be able to make it through the election, even through the next term. So this came as a surprise for many of us, even though we knew it was imminent at some point. Uh, Really, I I didn't figure that President Trump was likely going to get another opportunity to put another justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. But what do I know? Uh, In fact, many urged uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg to retire during the Obama administration so that President Obama could replace her. And I think she held on because like many, they thought Hillary was going to win. So I spoke about a year ago how I felt like the Russia hoax, the impeachment, uh, bogus impeachment trial of Donald Trump was really all about the US Supreme Court. It's all about Roe versus Wade. Uh, And now it's interesting that even though we've had this year of chaos when it relates to COVID, 
the Black Lives Matter protests, the riots, the looting, and the violence in our cities, that all of those things really, even though they're huge stories and hugely important, pale in comparison to what we are now going to likely see, which is the mother, mother of all battles at the U.S. Supreme Court regarding the replacement of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, you're not going to be hearing much about COVID-19 anymore. I can tell you that. Uh, that's going to be wiped off the front pages of the fake news. Uh, it still may be an issue, but it's not going to be uh, an issue like the replacement of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So this is really front and center. You know, it's just like God, even though I don't, you know, I don't want to basically say that, uh, you know, God took uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg right now, but uh, it's just like him to rise up this issue, to raise this issue of abortion right before the presidential election, because it really is the preeminent issue facing America. These other issues are important, racial injustice, the COVID-19 pandemic and other things are obviously important to the country, but there's nothing more important than stopping the shedding of innocent blood and abolishing abortion altogether. Uh, we cannot survive as a nation if we shed innocent blood, if we kill the, the, the weakest members of our society, that is the unborn. We talk about equality, but there is no equality if we don't protect the weak against the strong, starting with our unborn brothers and sisters. So uh, last night, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg reportedly, according to the National Public Radio, and you've got to uh, take that source with a grain of salt, from uh, her granddaughter, basically at least it's reported that she said on her deathbed, her final wish was that her most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Now, I don't know if we can believe that's true, if that's what she said on her deathbed or not. Uh, you know, it, I guess it, we, we need to take it at face value. But I have to wonder, I don't know about you, but when I'm on my deathbed, I'm not going to be talking politics. That's probably the last thing on my mind. I'm going to be talking about my loved ones. Uh, this is going to the last thing I'm going to be thinking about. So it, it seems to me that it's unlikely, although who knows, maybe the granddaughter will come forward and verify this, uh, that that was her final wish on her deathbed, that uh, she would not be replaced by this president and by the next president that will be, as she calls it, installed. It's funny that word was used rather than elected. Uh, but I can tell you this, the left will use this as a cudgel to beat uh, the GOP and tell them that this was, that they're not honoring the death wish of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, so what I want to do here, I want to take a few minutes and kind of go through these three categories. I want to talk about the uh, implications this has to the United States Supreme Court. I want to talk about the presidential election, and then I want to talk about what I think this has to do with the future of America. So the first thing I wanna do here is talk about the United States Supreme Court. And uh, what, what I'd like to do here, and Mr. Producer, if you would go ahead and cue up this quote from uh, President Trump. 
Apparently, President Trump uh, was finishing up his uh, campaign rally in Minnesota, I think it was, and was not aware uh, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away. And uh, this was brought up to him by the media. So you get a spontaneous reaction to the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg from our president. Go ahead and play that clip. All right, we're having a little trouble with uh, loading that clip. Hopefully that'll come up here in a second. Uh, President Trump again uh, finishing up his rally. Here it is. She just died? Wow. I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time. She led an amazing life. What else can you say? She was an amazing woman. Whether you agreed or not, she was an amazing woman who led an amazing life. I'm actually sad to hear that. I am sad to hear that. Thank you very much. Well, there you go. You know, if you ever wonder whether President Trump has a heart, uh, this is him impromptu right there being asked a question about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and his reaction. And um, he did what most people would do, and they would uh, be, be uh, praying or being concerned about the family, uh, talked about her legacy, didn't bring politics in it at all. Truly a class act here. You can say what you like about President Trump, but I think his heart's in the right place. And this is evidence of that. Now, if you look at the numbers, as it relates to the U.S. Supreme Court and the implications of the resig or the the death, I'm sorry, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, the numbers are interesting because this would uh, obviously the court now is going to be at a four-four split, four conservative justices versus four liberal justices, and uh, that's why many are calling on the president to quickly nominate and the U.S. Senate to confirm his nominee to the US Supreme Court prior to the election. But we have to keep everything in perspective as it relates to the, uh, the likelihood of the imminent reversal or the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which is at the center of everything as a pro-life uh, activist. When we look at the US Supreme Court, that's what we care about. We care about other things, but we care mostly about Roe versus Wade. Although we don't put all our, ba uh, our eggs in the basket of Roe v. Wade, uh, we obviously want to be working all areas and firing on all cylinders, which includes the state legislatures where we can uh, pass legislation to restrict and even better abolish abortion altogether. We need to be doing that state by state, and that is happening. And so the uh, pro-life movement is working both the state legislatures and trying to elect a president to uh, the White House who would nominate uh, strict constructionists to the U.S. Supreme Court. But we need to keep it in perspective that historically, we haven't done so well here. Uh, more recently, I think we've done a lot better with the uh, election of President Trump. But if you look at the numbers, in the last, last 47 years, 27 of those years, we've had a pro-life president in the White House, in the Oval Office. 27 of the 47 years, a majority of the time, the White House has been occupied by a pro-life president. But in that time, 
unfortunately, it's a mixed bag of results when it comes to uh, the Roe versus Wade decision. Uh, in in that in that time, the uh, those Republican presidents have put up nine justices who have been confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Nine of them, and of those nine, four have turned out to be. Uh, not what we would wish. In fact, they are marginally, if not uh, marginally supportive of abortion rights, if you will. Uh, we've got Justice Souter, O'Connor, Kennedy, and now even Justice Roberts. I would put him in that category, although some would not. I would put him in the category as pro-abortion U.S. Supreme Court justices. So there's been four out of the nine that have not been with us when it comes to Roe versus Wade. However, We've had uh, a several, uh, five of them, I would say, that uh, look like some of them for sure and others uh, not for certain are with us on the Roe v. Wade decision that would like to see it reversed and sent back to the state legislatures. Uh, Justice Scalia, obviously an ardent uh, anti-abortion justice. Justice Clarence Thomas, uh, Justice Alito, those three, I think, were solid. Two of those are still on the court. And now we have Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, which I think the jury is still out on them. But uh, I think there's a fair shot that they might vote to reverse Roe versus Wade. Currently, right now, we have one justice, only one really, who is on record as saying that he would vote to reverse Roe versus Wade. And that is Justice Clarence Thomas. Justice Alito, on the other hand, I would say is leaning anti-Roe. He's made comments over the years that he thinks Roe is bad law, but I don't know if we can put him in the solidly anti-Roe category. We can certainly put him in the leaning Roe category. And then we have Justice Roberts, which I think is a just a consensus building justice. Uh, he's more of a uh, careerist, if you will, uh, somebody that cares more about the institution of the U.S. Supreme Court than he does about justice. I'm not certain we can put him in the uh, in the pro row or anti row category. Uh, so we've definitely got one vote, maybe two, and then Justice Gorsuch and Kavanaugh are still very much a question. We certainly know that we have four liberals now with the G Bader Ginsburg gone. Uh, we have four liberal justices. They're going to vote as a block against anything that would uh, come close to uh, reversing Roe versus Wade. Any way you look at it, uh, President Trump is impacting the United States Supreme Court and the federal judiciary as a whole. And he will impact it even more now that he's getting an opportunity to put up another Supreme Court to the U.S., uh, another justice to the U.S. Supreme Court. Whether that happens before the election, during the lame duck, or afterwards, if he wins re-election, uh, that remains to be seen. So that's where we stand with the U.S. Supreme Court. This is huge, absolutely giant. You know, a lot of people, the abolitionists out there, the immediatists, so-called, they're, they're downplaying this. This doesn't matter at all. It has nothing to do with the abortion issue. I mean, come on now. Uh, th this, is a, this could be a, a paradigm shift at the United States Supreme Court if President Trump gets reelected. Uh, he's got now one more uh, justice that he's going to nominate. Uh, that would be three for him. If he's reelected, there could be one or two more. Uh, by the end of his second term, if reelected, President Trump could put on the U.S. Supreme Court four or five 
uh, justices of the U.S. Supreme Court. That's not nothing. That's that's a big, big deal. And uh, I think we need to recognize it as such. That doesn't mean we put all our eggs in that basket, of course, but certainly uh, the window is there to make a huge impact at the U.S. Supreme Court. So that's how I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing affects the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, let's move on to the election. A lot of uh, stargazing, a lot of prognostication as it relates to the election, what will happen, how will it go, how will President Trump navigate these waters, what will the U.S. Supreme Court do, what will Senator McConnell do, Majority Leader McConnell do. Uh, you know, it, it remains to be seen, obviously. But if, if, as it looks as though it might be, that uh, President Trump puts up the his nominee and that Leader McConnell puts, uh, brings it to a vote, then this could have a huge impact, not only on the election, but uh, on um, uh, going forward. If you would, Mr. Producer, bring up the quote from uh, Senator McConnell. He was asked, well, actually, this is a tweet from Senator McConnell, and he was quoted as saying that he would bring the uh, nominee, the president's nominee, to a vote on the U.S. Supreme or, or on the uh, U, the floor of the U.S. Senate, and he said this in the last midterm election before Justice Scalia's death in 2016. Americans elected a Republican Senate, a majority, because we pledged to check and balance the last days of the lame duck president's second term. We kept our promise, McConnell continued. Since the 1880s, no Senate has confirmed an opposite party's presidential Supreme Court nominee in a presidential year. So he's talking about president, precedent here. Uh, he went on to say, by contrast, Americans reelected our majority in 2016 and expanded it in 2018 because we pledged to work with President Trump and support his agenda particularly his outstanding appointments to the federal judiciary. So that he's doing what a Re Republican majority leader would do, and that is move the agenda of the president forward. Uh, and that includes his nominees to the U.S. Supreme Court and the federal judiciary. He goes on to say President Trump's nominees will receive a vote on the floor of the United States Senate. Now, he didn't say that whether it be before the election, after the election, or after the inauguration. Uh, we don't know that. But he is committed to him uh, bringing up President Trump's nominees for a vote. Now, let's go ahead, if you would, Mr. Producer, and queue up. Uh, this is uh, uh, Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden's comments. And he was asked last night about the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. If you would, go ahead and put that clip up. And let's play that. And in the coming days, uh, we should focus on the loss of her, the justice and uh, her enduring legacy. But there is no doubt, let me be clear, that the voters should pick the president and the president should pick the justice for the Senate to consider. This was the position of the Republican Senate took in 2016 when there were almost 10 months to go before the election. That's the position the United States Senate must take today. And uh, the election is only 46 days off. I think the fastest justice ever confirmed was 47 days. And uh, the average is closer to 70 days. 
And so I should do this with full consideration. And, uh, and that is my hope and expectation what will happen. Thank you all. And all I'm right, sorry. go ahead and end it there. Such a so uh, low energy, sleepy Joe, I don't know if he just woke up or what, but he uh, made the comment about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing and also talked about why he believes, of course, that uh, he should pick, uh, pick the next president or the next uh, U.S. Supreme Court nominee to uh, to the court. What's interesting here is he said that the president, uh, we pick a president. And then the president picks the justice. And I'd say exactly. That's what we did in 2016. We picked the president. That was President Trump. And he has the responsibility, authority, obligation to pick the U.S. Supreme Court justices. So what has changed here? Just because there's an election, we should hold it up and let the American people decide on who should pick the next justice for the U.S. Supreme Court. I can tell you this, President Trump will not do that. Now, if this were Mitt Romney or George W. Bush or John McCain, they would have probably caved already and said, oh, we're not going to do this. I'm not going to play politics with the U.S. Supreme Court. They would already cave to the, to the left and probably would not even put up a, a, a nominee at this point in the election cycle. But President Trump is not a normal president. He has broken all the molds, and I expect him to do the same here. Now, if you look at the U.S. Uh, Senate, right now the Republicans have a 53 to 47 majority, uh, if you want to call it that, even though Murkowski, Collins, and Romney, I think, are uh, at best marginally Republican, if not uh, their rhinos in many respects, and probably cannot be counted on to vote for the president's nominee necessarily. Uh, I, it's hard to say, but we do know already that Murkowski has said that she is not going to uh, vote prior to the election, let alone the inauguration. Susan Collins is in a tough Senate race in Maine. Now, with her, it's interesting, though. She did support Justice Kavanaugh. So she's already on record as supporting a Trump nominee. So I don't know if supporting another Trump nominee does any damage to her reelection bid in Maine. Probably not. So she may be one that could be counted on, but uh, as a... Uh, a pro-Trump, pro-Trump nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court, a vote on the U.S. Senate. Uh, Cory Gardner is in a close race in Colorado. Uh, again, that's a, a, a very contested race. Maybe uh, he may change uh, and not support the president's nominee. And we know Mitt Romney, uh, I think, you know, you never know with him, but he just does not like President Trump. And I think he's just still butthurt because of the uh, he took a thrashing uh, by Trump in um, in the 2016 election. And Mitt Romney thinks he ought to be president, not President Trump. So I don't think he's gotten over that. But either way, uh, whether this happens before the election, whether this happens in the lame duck or either one of those two, I think Trump's going to get his nominee through. Uh, I suspect that this is going to help him in his reelection bid. 
And if he wins a re-election, he's only going to, he's either going to hold his majority in the U.S. Senate, which means he could likely get uh, his nominee through uh, the U.S. Senate and put them on the court, or he's only going to gain votes, uh, gain seats on the U.S. Senate. So if he wins, I can expect that he might even gain some seats, but certainly would not lose the U.S. Senate. So this is going to happen one way or the other. He's either going to get it done before the election, which is tight, or he's going to get it done after the election in the lame duck. And of course, if he gets reelected, I think he'll probably end up waiting until after the inauguration. That is, if he increases his majority, that would be the only reason to wait. If he increases his majority beyond the 53 votes or seats that he's got now, he would wait until after the uh, inauguration to seat the uh, next U.S. Supreme Court justice. So um, anyway, that's that's my take on uh, what what uh, the impact that the Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing has on the U.S. Supreme Court on the election. One other note, this has been said by others, and that is that President Trump is not going to want a 4-4 deadlock on the U.S. Supreme Court during the election or during the election day. In the event that this is a disputed election, which is, I think, likely because of the fraud that the Democrats are trying to perpetrate with mail-in voting and all kinds of other shenanigans, uh, it's likely that this will not be decided right away on November 3rd. It's possible that the courts could get involved, i.e. Bush v. Gore. And if so, you certainly would not want a 4-4 split on the U.S. Supreme Court as relates to determining the next president of the United States if this even gets to that situation. So I don't. I think that's reason why Trump would want to push the uh, the nomination process to happen and have his nominee confirmed before the election. Uh, now, let's move on to how this uh, affects or who, who might be in line to succeed to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There's a, a list that President Trump has circulated. He did this in 2016, and he did this more recently for the 2020 elections. If you would, Mr. Producer, go ahead and pull that up. Uh, this is the list that President Trump has put forward. And many, uh, the, the top candidate, according to most, is Amy Coney Barrett. Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. And Amy Coney Barrett uh, is, as you can tell, a female, uh, very well established and respected jurist. And it's likely if she's interested in the job that he would nominate her. Uh, because I think a woman uh, is going to help his odds. Obviously, it's harder to take on a woman than it is a man. Uh, and, and the fact that she has a very strong past, uh, I think that she probably is the front runner. There are many, though, on this list that are all, many of them qualified, probably all of them are. But I'd say that uh, Amy Coney Barrett's probably the front runner right now. And the only thing she isn't is if she were African-American, that would be a home run. Uh, right now, I don't know if there are any African-American women running or in the running right now to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So anyway, that that's the uh, the ones that uh, have been put up by President Trump. It's interesting. Joe Biden has been asked about this and he won't come forward with a list, at least up until now. 
He's unwilling to do so. Uh, I think that's going to change in the coming days. I think right now, if he didn't already have a list, private list, he's going to have one and he's going to have a public list before long because he's going to be forced to comment on who he would put up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, I think that's uh, going to be uh, somewhat problematic for him because he's going to be put under a lot of scrutiny. President Trump was very smart to do this in 2016 to get it out there, to have these uh, these possible nominees vetted, fully vetted. And now that they are fully vetted, uh, you know, it's not controversial when he makes his pick. Joe Biden has not done that. He has not named names. And now he's going to be forced to do so, I think. It's going to be interesting how the left wing, the, the Marxists, the anarchists in his party uh, who are driving things right now are going to react to that list. If any moderates are put up, I'm sure they're not going to be acceptable to that group. Uh, President Trump said that he was saving, this is reported uh, by the media a while back, that he was saving Amy Coney Barrett to replace uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So he's already kind of uh, signaled that, that, would, that she would be his choice. I think we're gonna hear in days I think President Trump probably has a very, very short list, probably one or two or even three that he would uh, give the nod to. And uh, I think Amy Coney Barrett would be a excellent pick uh, for that uh, replacement. Now, let's move on to how this affects America. Uh, as I said earlier, this elevates abortion to where it belongs as the preeminent human rights issue facing America and the world. And it really displaces COVID in many respects, and it should anyway, because of the magnitude of the loss of life that uh, abortion brings to America. It will also uh, upscale the whole uh, Black Lives Matter uh, issue more than likely, unless, as is predicted and already signaled by a lot of Black Lives Matter activists, that they are going to um, continue in their violent and uh, well, their 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 peaceful protests, as they say. Uh, if you would, uh, Mr. Producer, go ahead and put up the. Uh, this is a tweet by um, a Black Lives Matter activist. He also has a um, apparently has a blog and a radio talk show. And he basically says, if President Trump tries to replace RGB, he said, we will burn the entire effing thing down, referring to the building, the U.S. Supreme Court, that this person is advocating the burning down of the United States Supreme Court building in Washington, D.C. And we're seeing this all over the place from uh, Black Lives Matter activists by Joe Biden voters and supporters that they are going to shut down America if President Trump puts up a nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court. And I would just say this. I hope and pray. I don't think President Trump's one to be bullied. He's not going to be bullied. But I hope and pray that our senators will not be build, uh, bullied either by these threats of violence. Uh, so. This is what you're seeing on the left, uh, very predictable, hard to believe someone can actually get away with threatening to burn down the U.S. Supreme Court building and not be in jail. 
I, I thought that this was, you know, these, this is not protected free speech. You can't yell fire in a crowded building. This is as close as it gets. And uh, they ought to keep a very close eye on this individual. His name is Reza Aslan. And there are many more like him who are now lining up in, in their, uh, in their, fomenting the violence if President Trump, when President Trump puts up the uh, next nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, finally, I'd like to just speak uh, how this affects not only America, but the church itself. This is our opportunity. President Trump and uh, the Republicans, I know it's political, it sounds political, but this isn't about politics. This is about the protection of innocent life and the speaking up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, rescuing those who are led away to slaughter, this is an opportunity for the church to step forward, make her, noise, her voice known to America, calling us to repent for 47 years of unabated child killing. This is our window. Uh, like never before, I think, in the years that I've been doing pro-life activism, do we have an opportunity like we do now to speak truth to our congregations and to the culture at large about what we're facing. If we don't get this one right, uh, I fear for our nation. I really do. Uh, this is our opportunity to speak up for the unborn. And I hope and pray that the pulpits across America will be thundering with the call of repentance and righteousness as it relates to uh, the abortion issue. Because uh, this is a, a short window of time that we have to get it right, to get it right. And uh, that doesn't mean, I mean, a lot of people say, well, does that mean supporting President Trump? I would say, yes, in many cases it does. Uh, it certainly says you cannot vote for Joe Biden. I mean, not that you could before, but even more so now, how can you support a man who will continue the slot of unborn children by putting a, a up nominees to the U.S. Supreme Court that, that uh, continue to support Roe versus Wade? So uh, all that's to say, folks, uh, we're living in uh, interesting times. There's no doubt about that. But it's all coming to a head during the election here. And now with the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, we have a huge opportunity to make a difference uh, in the abortion issue by raising our voice, using it, this opportunity as a platform to draw attention and awareness to what's happening every single day in America with the killing of unborn babies. And that's what we'll be doing here at Created Equal. We are already uh, have begun our vote anti-abortion campaign. Uh, we are uh, traveling to some of the key battleground states. We already have done that. We've been to the DNC, even though it was virtual. We went to Milwaukee, which is a key city and a key battleground state of Wisconsin. We've been to Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, another key city and a key battleground state. We're going to Florida. Of course, we're based here in Ohio. We have plans to go to Pennsylvania and other places as well. But even more so now, it's important that we retain or increase our uh, seats in the U.S. Senate. And in order to do that, we are going to be deploying some of our assets into states like Michigan, Alabama, North Carolina, and Georgia, where there are key uh, Senate races currently in order to compel people to vote anti-abortion, to vote for the candidate that protects innocent life. So folks, if you wanna help us with that effort, the time is now. You can go to our website at createdequal.org, click on the donate link, 
And you can either write a check to us and you can write it to Created Equal, P.O. Box 360502, Columbus, Ohio, 43236. That's Created Equal, P.O. Box 360502, Columbus, Ohio, 43236. Or you can click on the link and give electronically online as well. Uh, we are a nonprofit organization. We do not involve ourselves directly in the uh, campaign for or against uh, candidates for president or any position, both state uh, and federal, but we can compel people to vote based on the issues. And that issue, we believe the preeminent issue is the issue of uh, child killing. So we will be traveling to a lot of these battleground states, a lot of these for president and also U.S. Supreme Court. So uh, I, uh, basically that's all I have for today. I wanted to jump behind the microphone here and just give you a little update on some of the things that have been uh, coming to mind over the um, the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I hope this helps to give you a little bit of clarity on what's going on and the stakes that we now are before us before the uh, November election. Uh, stay tuned. We will come to you. Uh, we come to you every uh, Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. Uh, on these social media platforms, these social sites. I also broadcast on tri uh, terrestrial radio on Salem Radio in Columbus, Ohio at WRFD 880 AM and in Cincinnati at WCVX 1160 AM every Saturday as well. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil. plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808. That's 614-269-7808. Or go online to createdequal.net. Createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.